Wow, that is an introduction. I'll tell you what. Oh my goodness, Venue Church. I love you guys. Man, it's so humbling for me to be here. I'm so grateful for you guys. And just so you know, my husband Dan and I, we are not just friends with your pastors, but we are friends with you. And I remember when you launched your church and we were praying over your church. And then I remember so many of you moving from Didsbury to Airdrie. And I remember when, and I was here in the room when you launched in this brand new building. Come on, what a blessing. I am your friend, and I'm so grateful that together our churches are tackling this entire Calgary area in the name of Jesus. Come on. So... I've always been considered what some might call lucky. And this is not luck that I could have created on my own or forced to happen. Let me give you an example. So I grew up in Texas. If you can't tell, I had a little bit of an accent. I'm trying to get rid of that and become more Canadian. I'm working on it almost eight years. It's a little Texan, a little Floridian, a little Canadian. Anyway, grew up in Texas. And in the 90s, the early 90s in Texas, in supermarkets, they would have like these raffles and it was free and they weren't trying to sell you anything. It was just like, thanks for shopping at Kroger. And so you would go in and you would fill out the raffle and put your name in and maybe you would win. So I was like seven or eight years old and my mom went shopping and I'm bored. So I just fill out my name, put it in the bucket. Lo and behold, I win a gigantic, bigger-than-life Nestle Crunch bar. You guys, it was huge. I, I'm telling you, it was bigger than I was. It must have been like three feet tall or more. And it was thick, like chunks. And so we cut that thing up. We put it in the freezer. I ate on that chocolate bar for years. It gave me the best dental cavities of my life. I loved it. But my luck didn't stop there. When I was a teenager, I filled out another one of these supermarket raffles, and I won a really expensive bicycle. I was leveling up. So I got this bicycle, but I already had a bike, so I gave it to my mom for Mother's Day because I'm such a good daughter. But my luck did not stop there. Through the years, I've had these surprising moments of unexplained luck in my life. I've won trips competitions. I've been given financial blessings. And it all makes me pause and think, is it luck? Or is it a chance at the draw? Or maybe it's favor from God. Did I manifest it or did God bless me with it? Today I want to talk a little bit about God's favor on your life. There is an, a story in the Old Testament about a man who continually had God's favor and blessing on his life, no matter what circumstances he walked through. And we're going to talk a little bit today about Joseph. Now, this is not Joseph from the New Testament, who is the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's a different Joseph. But this one is found in Genesis. And we're going to be reading in Genesis 39, if you have your Bible. But I want to tell you a recap of Joseph's story because we don't have time to read all of his story today. So I'm going to give you Amber's movie version, okay? So here we go. Let's start with the lineage. So Joseph's great-grandfather was Abraham. So if you grew up in church, you might know the song, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. 
hand, now it's going to be stuck in your head all day. You're welcome. So Abraham was told by God and promised by God, you will have more descendants than the stars in the sky. And Abraham was also known as the father of faith. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons, but only two of those sons were born to him from the love of his life, Rachel. Now, Rachel was infertile for many, many years, and they couldn't have children together, and then all of a sudden, God blessed them and gave them their first son, and they named him Joseph. Now, because of this infertility journey, and then now all of a sudden having a son, and they named him Joseph. Joseph became Jacob's favorite son. So you might have heard of the title, Joseph in the Coat of Many Colors. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. It comes from this story because Jacob made him a coat that was more expensive and more special than anything the other brothers owned. So when Joseph was a teenager, he kind of got cocky about it. And he went in front of his brothers with his fancy coat and he's like, hey, I, uh, I had a dream that all my brothers are going to bow down in front of me someday. And this would really tick his brothers off. So they plotted to murder him. Not, not just like, sit down, dude, you're a teenager, you don't have it all together yet, just like, trust us. No, they, they plotted to kill their brother. But then the oldest brother, Reuben, is like, guys, I don't think this is such a good idea. So instead, they sold him into slavery. Then they took his fancy coat, they put animal blood on it, took it to their father Jacob, and was like, Dad, an animal killed your son. Sorry, he's no longer your favorite. Like, this is crazy. Let's pause the movie for a minute. So, pastors Corey and Aaron have four daughters. Now, let's suppose they have a favorite. I'm sure they don't. But let's just for today pretend that Katie is their favorite daughter. And the other girls get so jealous of this. And Katie's constantly like, I'm the favorite. I'm the best. And so they get irritated with her. And they decide to take her to the circus and hand her off to the circus. Then they go back to their parents and say, I don't know. She just ran away. It was crazy. I'm telling you, that's not half as crazy as what Joseph's brothers just did to him. Man. Joseph became a slave after their brother sold him off, he became a slave to a man named Potiphar who lived in Egypt. And he was a slave in his home for many, many years. And Joseph was a handsome man. And then Potiphar's wife got a little thirsty and she starts hitting on Joseph. And Joseph keeps turning her down. I mean, he, he was like, no, this is not right. And she keeps hitting on him and keeps hitting on him. And after like the millionth time that he turns her down, she gets irritated and probably a little embarrassed. And so she accuses him of raping her, even though he never did that. And then he gets arrested and thrown into prison. Crazy. That's a crazy lady. So now Joseph's in prison. And he's not just in any prison. He is in the palace prison where the Pharaoh of Egypt lives. And while he's there for many, many years... The head cupbearer and the head baker are also thrown into prison with him. And the cupbearer and the baker, they both have these dreams, and they're really similar, but they don't know what it means. And so they go and talk to Joseph about it, and they're like, we had this crazy dream. We don't know what it means, but it means something. And Joseph's like, look, 
I've been blessed by God. I can interpret your dream. Tell me your dream. So they both tell them their dream. And Joseph says, okay, I've got bad news. In three days, Baker, you're not going to make it out of here. You're going to be executed. Sorry. But cupbearer, I have good news for you. In three days, you're going to get out of here. You're going to be back in the good graces of the Pharaoh. And listen, when you get out of here, I need you to advocate for me. Go up to Pharaoh, tell him I was thrown in here for no reason, and help me get out of here. Now, do you think that the cupbearer remembered Joseph and put in a good word for him? No. Two years later, he's still in prison. But Joseph was right about those dreams. Because sure enough, three days later, the baker was executed, the cupbearer got out, and he was back in the good graces. That's a lot of bad stuff that Joseph went through. And I want to point out here, just for all of us, that just because we walk through heavy things does not mean that we are out of favor with God. Bad things are going to happen in our lives. We cannot avoid them. And if you spend your entire life working hard just so you can avoid hardship, you're going to end up disappointed. Everybody walks through hard stuff. And you might have thought that when I told you how lucky I've been in my life that I've never had hardship. But that's not how it works. Oftentimes, we only see people's highlights, maybe on social media or online or even here at church when you ask someone, hey, how's it going? I'm doing great. Life is good. And we only share the blessings, the favor of God that we've received. But we don't often celebrate the hard things, our struggles. And that's because we usually don't want to celebrate them until we're able to look back and be thankful that God brought us out of them. Today I'm here to talk to you about favor from God, but we really can't appreciate God's favor without walking through some valleys. Keep that in mind today. And what I didn't really share with you in my recap, my movie version of Joseph's life, is that in the middle of this crazy circumstances that he went through, He found favor with God. So what is favor? And what is favor with God? Simply defined, favor is an act of gracious kindness. God's favor is grace. Grace is unmerited blessing from God. We don't deserve it, but God gives it to us anyway. It's unearned, undeserved kindness poured out onto us because God is so loving. He is so good, and he wants the best for his children. When we really understand this, it can completely change our lives. Yet we try and complicate it or manipulate it or control it. And the problem is there are a lot of people who live off of someone else's favor from God and think that that's enough. Are you living off of someone else's favor from God? There's an example of this in Joseph's story. I told you that his brothers sold him into slavery. I want to read with you the book version, because how many know there's more details in the book? So let's pick it up in Genesis 39, verses 1. Now, Joseph was taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. He was in the house of the Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hands. 
So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. He made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and with him there, he had no concern for anything but the food that he ate. Man, Potiphar was blessed because of Joseph's sake. Now, Potiphar was a pagan. If you don't know what a pagan is, that's usually somebody who worships nature, but also usually worships multiple deities or multiple spirits, but they don't recognize the God of the Bible. Does that sound familiar? Does anybody know anyone like that? So Potiphar was a pagan. He was active in the slave trade and worked for the Egyptian Pharaoh. God blessed Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. Potiphar didn't worship Joseph's God, but he saw that Joseph had favor with God. So he chose to elevate Joseph so he could get the maximum benefit out of that relationship. How many of us are living off our spouse or our mom or our grandparents' prayers? Maybe you even started coming to church hoping that a little bit of blessing would just bleed off from that. But you're not actually willing to start a relationship with the one who gives the blessings. It's just going through the motions. Maybe you're even serving here on the venue team. You're helping out, but it's all just actions in hopes that you'll catch some kind of blessing off of that. But you're not willing to actually start a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's living off of someone else's favor from God. You're looking for the benefits without the relationship. God is not your genie or your vending machine. God has bigger plans for your life than that and wants a relationship with you. So how do we find our own favor with God? Many people think that we have to become perfect or we have to have a life that is perfect in order to have a relationship with God. I can't tell you how many times I've been told, oh no, I can't go to church. I would burn up as soon as I walked in there. We end up using our imperfections as a, an excuse to keep God away, to keep God in a distance. Let me tell you, God has no problem working through imperfect people or imperfect situations. You don't need a perfect set of circumstances when you serve a perfect God. In fact, we see time and time again that God uses those crazy circumstances in our lives to fulfill his plan and his purpose. So let's look back into Joseph's story. I left off by telling you that he was in prison with the cupbearer and the baker, and the baker got executed, but he was like, cupbearer, listen, if what I tell you about your dream is true, I need you to go to the Pharaoh. I need you to advocate for me. Help me to get out of here, man, because I was falsely accused and thrown into prison. And then the cupbearer leaves, and he's like, I'm good. But he forgets all about Joseph. Two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. So the Pharaoh goes looking around for the wisest people in all of Egypt, and he asks everybody he knows, I don't know what this dream means, but I know it means something, and I've got to figure this out. And then all of a sudden, the cupbearer is like, oh, yeah, there was this dude in prison that I was with. And he told me exactly what would happen out of my dream. I think he, maybe he's still there, but that would be my fault. So maybe go get Joseph and figure out what your dream really means. So let's read what, what happens in Genesis 41, starting in verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent for Joseph. 
And he was hurriedly brought out of the dungeon, and when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, it's probably smart, he came in before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, and there's no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not I. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I was standing on the banks of the Nile, and seven cows, fat and sleek, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Then seven other cows came up after them, poor, very ugly, and thin. Never had I seen such ugly ones in the land of Egypt. The thin and ugly cows ate up the first seven fat cows. But when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had done so, for they were still as ugly as before. Then I awoke. I fell asleep a second time, and I saw in my dreams seven ears of grain, full and good, growing in one stalk, and seven ears withered, thin, blighted by the east wind, sprouting after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears, but when I told it to the magicians, there was no one who could explain it to me. Okay, back to the movie version. So Joseph hears the Pharaoh's dreams, and he's like, listen, God has revealed to you through these dreams what's about to happen in Egypt. So here's what's about to happen. You're about to have seven years of plenty. It's gonna be the best economy that Egypt has ever seen. You're gonna have life and life in abundance and it's gonna be so good. But then after that, you're gonna have seven years of famine. It's gonna be a big drought. People are gonna go hungry. So here's what I recommend to you, Pharaoh. You find the wisest person in your kingdom. You put him in charge of all of this. And you tell him, reserve one-fifth of everything that comes in for that first seven years. Make sure you put it back. And that 20%, that's going to help us get through the next seven years. So let's pick it up and see what Pharaoh said to this. Verse 37, the proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find anyone else like this? One in whom is the spirit of God? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only with regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I've set you over all of the land of Egypt. Man, it's so crazy. Through these crazy circumstances of Joseph being thrown into slavery, then being made the head of the household of Potiphar, to be falsely accused, thrown into prison, then he was able, well, God was able to use that situation to bring Joseph in front of the Pharaoh and made Joseph the head of all of Egypt. A lot of times we claim that the hard things in our lives are distractions from the enemy, but really, they're interruptions that God uses to bring out a greater purpose in our life. So is your hardship today an interruption or is it a distraction? See, a distraction is kind of like when you're at home working on something, really focused, and your kid comes up to you and he's like, my sister threw my iPad in the toilet. That is a distraction. A distraction is built to deter you away from what you're supposed to be focused on. A distraction from the enemy, Satan, is built to take your eyes off of God. But an interruption is different. An interruption is kind of like being at a restaurant, and you're with your friend, and you're so engrossed in the conversation that you forget what time it is. And then finally, the waiter comes over, and he's like, hey, I just want to remind you that you've only got 15 minutes left. It's last 
call. An interruption is there to point you back to what you should be focused on in the first place, and it can be used to get you back on the right path of God's plan in your life. There were some distractions in Joseph's life for sure. Potiphar's wife was definitely one of them. But there were a whole lot more interruptions in Joseph's life that God was able to bring him into the blessings that God had planned for him. And what's so amazing about Joseph's story is that he remained faithful to God through every distraction and every interruption. He constantly pointed back to God and gave him the honor instead of trying to claim that for himself. In verse 16, Joseph answered Pharaoh and it said, it is not I, God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Joseph pointed back to the source. He gave God the honor and the credit instead of claiming it for himself. Joseph was faithful to God through everything. And that's why he found favor and blessing from God in everything. So let me ask you this. God is faithful to you, but are you faithful to him? Would you be able to say, yeah, my brothers can sell me into slavery and Potiphar's wife can come at me and I can be falsely accused and thrown into prison and my life can be completely flipped upside down, but I'm going to stay faithful to God and try to become more like Jesus no matter what. That's the example that Joseph set for us so many years ago. And it's not as complex as we try and make it out to be. Just be faithful. It's likely we will never have as many crazy circumstances in our life that Joseph had. But we will have hard times. Just be faithful. When things start to crumble and you're walking into the unknown, just be faithful. Be faithful in your relationship with God. I like to explain it this way. Be faithful in your time, in your talent, and in your treasure. We've all been given the same amount of time during the day. But what you do with that time is what's important. And really, it's what shows you what you think is important. Spend some of that time leaning into the scripture, developing your relationship with God. Spend some of that time in prayer. Spend some of that time learning and studying, having deeper conversations with faith-filled people. Spend some of that time in a small group learning and leaning in or on a podcast where you can learn more about God. But spend some of your time honoring God. We've all been given unique talents. One of Joseph's many talents was that he was able to interpret dreams. Now, maybe that's not your, your talent, I haven't heard of that lately, but you have been given talent. Maybe it's playing guitar. Maybe it's singing. Maybe you are the baby whisperer, and you can put a kid to sleep like that. That is a gift and a talent. Whatever your gifting might be, make sure you're using it to honor God with it. We've also been given treasure. If you live in Canada... You are more rich than 95% of the world. We've been blessed with finances for a reason. But how can you be faithful with those blessings and honor God with them? 
My husband and I choose to practice percentage giving in our local church, and we also support children through Compassion International. And every single year, we sit down and we look at our finances and we say, what else can we do? How can we go a little bit further? How can we level up in honoring God with all of the finances he has blessed us with? And I can look back on our giving record and I can see how faithful God has been to us. Time and time again, how he has supplied and met every single need. And so I will continue to be faithful to him. Bless God with everything that you've been blessed with. Bless God with your time, your talent, and your treasure. That's when we will find God's favor and blessing in our life. There's one last thing I want to leave you with. Many of you came here today with your kids because they were a part of this amazing kids camp we had at Venue Church. And maybe you came today because they really wanted to come to the party and you're like, okay, well, it's the last day, so I guess I'll come. Or maybe you just really want to see the recap video and see what your kids have been doing. And maybe you just really wanted some free barbecue. Whatever your reason, that's okay. But I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't help you with one thing. How do you teach your kids to have favor with God? Listen now. Your kids will find favor with God when their parents follow God. This was even true in Joseph's life. His father, Jacob, followed God, and the other people around Jacob understood this. Even the, Joseph's maternal grandfather, Laban, kept Jacob, Jacob around him for this very reason. You can read about that in Genesis 30. We don't have time today. But Jacob was known for being faithful to God. And that bleeds over when it's taught to children. So if you want your kids to have favor with God as they grow up and they start families of their own, you have to set the example. Don't lean on somebody else's blessing or favor to teach them. Don't lean on one time a year taking them to kids camp and hoping that it rubs off. Don't lean on that one hour a week. And they're in children's church. Hopefully somebody's teaching them something. No, that is on you. Teach them something. So here's some tips just to help you as a parent. Number one, make sure your relationship with Jesus is growing. Include them in your own time of prayer and Bible reading. And maybe you're like, I don't really know how to read the Bible. I don't know what I'm learning. I don't know how to explain that. It can be really simple. Maybe it's something as simple as getting in your car today and you turn to your kids and say, hey kids, I just wanna tell you that today I put my faith in Jesus. And I don't know if you've done that, but I just had to tell you that I've done that. You don't have to figure out the entire Bible before you can teach it to your kids. You can just share with them what God is teaching you. Don't overcomplicate it. You can't control it. Number two, be consistent in going to church. We all need community around us, but ultimately we need faith community. 
people who are around us when these distractions and more importantly when the interruptions happen in our life we need faith community around us to grab our hands to pray with us to say I'm with you no matter what God is faithful and you are not out of favor with God just because something is happening in your life and it's brought you to your knees God is still faithful you need a faith community in your life and you're not gonna have it sitting on your couch on Sunday mornings you need to be in the room you need to be with the people who are going to support you and love you but so do your kids your kids need to be surrounded surrounded with a faith community surrounded with mentors who are continually pouring out into them everything that God has blessed them with all of their talents they need to be in a faith community of other children who are still leaning in they're not going to find that at school I grew up in a public school I know what it's like and I can tell you, you're not going to find your faith community at school, but you'll find it at church. I was a kid who grew up in church. And let me tell you, it changed my life. My mother was a single parent, and she raised me the best she could. And she did an amazing thing. She taught me. She taught me how to pray. She led me in my first prayer to put my faith in Jesus. But it was the people in the faith community that poured into me that mentored me, that taught me how to read the scripture, that taught me the importance of putting my faith in Jesus and staying faithful to God through every storm, through every single hardship. Your kids need to be here. Number three, stay faithful even when things get hard. We don't have a relationship with Jesus, so our life can have less hardship in it. We follow Jesus so that when things get hard, we have someone to look to for help. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, if I put my faith in Jesus and it doesn't make my life more smooth, then why would I do that? Well, let me tell you, there's a little bonus gift that we get when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. When you believe in Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. That's the helper who will be with you always. And here's what the Bible says that we get from the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control there's no law against these things put your faith in Jesus lean in and be faithful and you will have these things in your life life will not always go how you expect it to life will not always be easy but if you remain faithful there will be unexpected blessings in your life as God pours out his favor onto all of you amen